of the Sight and Inside podcast. Can you believe this is episode 19? Uh, we've managed to uh, sit together and chat around the table for, uh, for 18 other episodes, so let's hope that we can do another great conversation today. Uh, my name is Judy Curtis, and with me are, of course, uh, Lorwyn Connie-Nagel and David P. Curtis. And today's topic is inspiration. And although that sounds like something that might be fairly simple, it's actually a, a deep thought because where does inspiration come from uh, for us to go out and create, or in my case, to, to sit down and write? I'm always uh, anxious to sit down and as soon as I sit there in front of the, uh, the computer screen, my mind goes a total blank, even if I had a good idea in my brain two minutes ago. It, you've really got to have pen and paper at hand all the time so you can jot ideas down and then try and reread the scribble so that you can start when you do sit down. However, um, I do have a quote here from Eugene Delacroix who says that inspiration is getting to our studies at 9am, which is sound advice. Now we're 15 minutes late, but hopefully we can make up for lost time. And I'm going to go straight over to Connie because whilst we were discussing how we would start this, she came up with what I thought was a great phrase um, about how can we get off autopilot. So, Connie, would you like to expand on that? I thought sure. that was a great comment. Sure. So, um, when I was thinking about this uh, podcast subject of inspiration, I was thinking how, how much we are in ruts, we're in habits and rituals that we do, um, not just to get up out of bed and to get ready to go and face the day, but also in our painting careers where, um, as um, I always speak about being an outdoor painter because that's mainly where I paint. Uh, so getting our gear together, it used to be very daunting. Um, and I used to call it a fishing trip. Uh, now it's kind of, I, I'm in a habit and I'm, I get my stuff together, I zoom out to the space and, and I get there, set up, then I have to get off of autopilot. Uh, that all became somewhat of an automatic thing. Mm -hmm. And when I stand in front of the easel and I face nature, I believe that I'm looking for the first time. And I want to get in that space of being uh, fresh, being, um, being teachable, being able to discover what does inspire me in front of this wall, this marsh, this beautiful, perhaps uh, rainy day or um, bright sunny day, something that, that will give me inspiration. Oh, very good. Now, I haven't thought about it like that, that you have to sort of be very disciplined about getting your gear together and then going out and it's at that point uh, that you need to get off you know, of think, autopilot. think about what you yeah. want to do. David, how do you go about it? Do you have an autopilot? Well, I, I, it's interesting you say that because I remember once uh, many years ago when I was beginning to just paint landscape and I was really tired of driving around Cape Ann in a car looking for a location because it was never good enough while I sat in the car. So I realized the car was the problem. So once I ditched the car and said I had to walk to a location and when I was tired of walking, that was the spot I would paint. 
Uh, but then I would miss out on the fact that I didn't put any white in or didn't put enough medium in. Or I was always leaving something behind. And, uh, and I was exhausted from walking. So, yes, you do have to have that mundane sense of making sure all your gear is with you. Mm. And you should be approach it as a professional. Um, I do think Connie's right, though. Once you're out of doors, nature becomes... I, I like to say that nature is my teacher. Um, and then as, as a teacher myself, I like to help people to uh, discover nature. Not have uh, one of the things I think that holds people back is they have rules of thumb when they're painting. You know, certain ideas in their minds that paintings have to have warm foregrounds and cool distances, and and the rules of thumb meaning you don't want anybody measuring anything with their thumb. You know, especially in art. Because we all have different sizes. Exactly. So. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, but I, I think you I think you want to have an open mind towards what you could discover, what nature could teach you, because um, I think John Constable said it every day is different out of doors. Mm -hmm. Well, it is, isn't it? it, it the light's different, so the yeah. atmosphere. So even the same subject would look different on a different day, a different time of day. I suppose like Monet, he was inspired to go out and paint these haystacks, a similar composition over and over again. But because it's at a different time of day, it looks like a different haystack. I was also going to mention that um, I think that when we go out into nature and become inspired, um, that we're getting different points of view of a particular scene, mm -hmm. uh, perhaps a very familiar scene. But also, and this kind of harkens back to what David always talks about, the Fibonacci, or um, he talks about the fractals. Yes, all the fractals. You know? And uh, I was thinking about the Fibonacci spiral is frequently found in nature, and what that tells us is that there's always a design in nature. Mm -hmm. And it's something that David and I have taught a lot in the composition classes, is about the line of design. And, um, and if you can find that line, and mostly nature gives it to us. Mm -hmm. that's, the, that's the inspiration, I think. Yeah. Uh, at least for me. I, when I find something that I think is kind of um, very intriguing, the lines um, you know, create some sort of pentagonon or something, or something that I think is quite uh, unique, uh, I get... I get inspired, and then I begin to really open up and start putting the paintbrush to the canvas. And do you think, David, that you know, once you've found that you know you've been inspired to find the the scene that you want to paint or the angle you want to paint it at, that that's the initial inspiration. But do you have to have keep that inspiration going while you're painting? Does does just the simple act of pushing the paint around? keep that inspiration going, to keep that original thought? Well, I think inspiration is like the, uh, you know, like the candle that you're going to take, move to another room, and you don't want the flame to go out. So I think you're very careful. But once you arrive in the next room and light the next candle from that candle, I, I think it's an ongoing, <laughs> ongoing process yeah. that once you are inspired, especially if it's true inspiration from nature, and Connie had a great way of understanding it, I think, or explaining it in the fact that maybe it's encoded, uh, the, the inspiration is encoded in the design. 
Well, some artists, I know Alvaro Hibbert, I think, felt the inspiration of nature from nature's design and nature's harmony and beauty. We called it the, the golden ratio, that science has proven that there's this wonderful place on a rectangle where everything is sweeter in that rectangle to place your center of interest or your focus or your focal point. So I think, I think when you discover things like that in nature, I think that is truly a great inspiration once you realize that. Uh, but it is that language of yourself seeing nature and finding an interpretation um, to, to then put onto your uh, painting. It's like uh, when the discovery of hieroglyphics and what they, what they actually were phonetic alphabet rather than a picture graph mm -hmm. language. I'm sure they're a little bit of both, but um, I, I think it's that once you make that discovery uh, and are inspired, I think there's just this uh, flood from nature to, to aid you in what you're doing. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. I was thinking too, as a psychologist, um, we don't realize um, that each time that we look out into nature or, um, or sitting before our easels, we are inspired by something that's associated with things that happen to us personally, to our own interior experience of life. And so, um, so that too is part of the impetus to, to say, I want to paint that particular tree, you know, up against this, um, this rock wall or something. So to that person, it's, it's very stunning and very um, engaging, as opposed to somebody else might say, oh my God, I couldn't even put the brush to the canvas for that, you know, yeah. or something like that. So it's all quite personal, and yet I think that when we see landscapes in plein air paintings, I don't believe people think they're very personal. But, um, but you know, um, I mean, they, they do, but I think they think that maybe it's sort of like a, a, a camera lens, you know, mm -hmm. that the person, the artist is taking it from this point of view or this particular um, vantage point. Um, the other thing I was going to mention was that I think that um, looking in art magazines and things like mm -hmm. that, it's all very inspirational to see what other people paint. I, th I think inspiration definitely comes from, uh, I mean, we, we're inundated with images nowadays, yes. uh, whether it's through the computer or through uh, advertising or wherever. But when we do go to a museum and see the work, I always go in the museum and say, uh, maybe this hope, after I'm, when I'm leaving, this hope that I could someday do a great painting, or I go up with total rejection, I'm a failure. You know, it's one or the other. There's never any of this, what a beautiful day at the museum. It's much more of a um, comp competitive nature. And I think, I think the inspiration when you're going to other people's art, I think that's, that sort of echoes what you said about design and composition. I know I was always afraid to look at other people as a landscape painter, so therefore I was afraid to look at a constable. Not afraid, but didn't look at constables and Monet's because I wanted to do my own thing. So I used to find myself looking at a lot of Italian Renaissance figurative paintings and how they designed and composed them. Uh, Veronese, I think, did some beautiful compositions. Um, and uh, a beautiful sense of color in his arrangements of figures and uh, 
uh, walking along or a promenade or something like that. But it was the arrangement of the figures that I realized was sort of what I was interested in is a good design for my landscapes. Mm -hmm. I think when you do go outdoors for the first time, one of the fears I have, and this happens to many students, they immediately see one spot and they're attached to it. They said, this is what I want to pick. This inspires me. And, uh, and I said, but just take two steps to the left here. Look at this. And all of a sudden, you're probably, as a teacher, illustrating an idea of a more dynamic composition to what they already had. The subject matter was the same. Um, a tree with a house behind it or something like that was the subject matter. And, um, and, but from another angle, you got a little bit more house and the proportions weren't equated. You got more house, a little less tree, seemed to go with each other better. And so there's, there's always that, that this design problem out of doors, once you're inspiration, uh, inspired by what you see, and it could be the reality, the forms, uh, the poetry of what you see in front of you. Uh, but my best bet is that you were to be inspired by nature's uh, design. If you read it that way, I think you, you, I think nature will offer you more. Yeah, I think also, I was going to, you know, I love what you're saying about that you gain inspiration uh, from a particular point of view, that, uh, but you also need to challenge yourself. I think that <clears throat> inspiration grows with challenging, stretching yourself. I see a lot of painters, <clears throat> sorry, I see a lot of painters, you know, get out, set up, and do the same thing over and over again. Right. You know, to, to go out there, do a horizon line, get your Martian, all this, get a, a, a sky for the day, is not very challenging for that painter. I think that to inspire yourself, to increase that inspiration, um, you must say, I'm going to take this from a different angle. I'm, I'm going to add a couple of things that I don't feel real comfortable about painting but I'm going to see if I can do that. It, it is difficult being in a creative business, you might say, yeah. uh, or a cottage industry business almost, in that you have to go out and make your, make your canvas by hand, then you have to arrange your paints and put them out on the canvas and do it all by hand, and then, uh, and then market it. Um, so yes, you can get caught up on the, that end of the business. Um, and I, and I think it can be detrimental to the creative process or the idea that what truly inspired me in my, in my subject matter, rather than thinking, gee, I, I can do barns really good, and if I have this barn door open a little bit with the cow's head popping out, I think that could be a really good painting. Yeah, I think when you, you have too many contrivances in a, in, in a formula for making landscapes, I, I don't think... I, I think it's, the challenge should be accepted. You should pick up the glove and slap nature back, you know, and say, I, you know, <laughs> I accept the gauntlet, right? <laughs> uh, and nature, it is trying to challenge you. Uh, the many moods, the many changes of light during the day, you know. Um, I, I, I think, though, that the, what we're trying to get at is the difference between going out and setting up, I think Aldro Hibbert said it, don't plant yourself on a thin dime. Yeah. And we assume that what he means is, 
just because this is a look, good looking landscape, it doesn't mean just 10 feet over here, it is a great landscape, uh, a great design. And I think, I think sometimes that's, that's uh, the case. So look around more, have uh, enjoyed the whole moment of the, I think, I think that's why I like the idea of the impressionist talking about capture the effect of light in your paintings. I think that sort of escaped a lot of us contemporary artists today. That we're not out there trying to paint an effect of light anymore, or just an effect of light, that we want to uh, make the, the building look real, and we want to make the people walking around the building be absolutely real. And so maybe we're missing out. Maybe there's something else that nature has got right in front of our noses, but we're sort of caught up in that, uh, what, was the, what was the word? Autopilot. Autopilot, yeah. I, and the other thing I was thinking of is don't watch the clock. You know, to stay inspired, you don't want to watch the clock. You don't want to say, I have to be home to feed the pets at 3 o'clock. I have to do this <laughs> and that. Are you experience? <laughs> And instead, that you're you're out there um, to receive whatever inspiration is is there to to gather, you know. And um, I was I was also thinking about not mixing paints. I mean, to mix paints, not to take them from the tube and to say um, because I think that's all part of the process. Uh, I mix all of my paints. Um, I just use the primaries and and um, some white and an off-white, but uh, but I'm, I'm into mixing paintings because, uh, paints because I think that that's um, a way for me to, again, try to capture what I am seeing before me. Yeah, I would have thought that mixing the paint was part of the enjoyment. It's like driving a car that I don't want to be on autopilot. I want to be able to control it and, and to be able to, to do things. And presumably, if you're only using your primaries and perhaps some special colours, it's easier to carry your equipment about. If you have to have a special colour for everything so you don't have to mix it, um, that must be an awful lot of uh, heavy paint to carry about. I think you, you, uh, when you observe nature, that's one of the challenges. And you're definitely not on automatic pilot when you want to match the color of a tree trunk or a stone. I mean, so many of my students would say, well, that's a gray day. If I ask them the color of the stone, they'll say it's gray. I said, well, that's nice. That's very good. But what would describe the gray to me? I want to know more about that gray color. Is it a warm gray, a cool gray, a blue gray, a yellow gray, a green? And there's all kinds of grays. And once you teach them, or once they pick up the idea that it's color, and gray and brown are nothing more than just other colors added to that, as Connie said, mixing is really important. But I don't, I think you have to really have to pay attention if you're in the, in the business of matching your colors to what you see in nature, mm -hmm. and not have some sort of a formula. Uh, of, um, you know, oh, green grass, well, I always take a little sap green, add a little white to it, to put it straight on the canvas, you know. Um, I, I don't think that that's, um, I mean, I think if it works, fine for you, but I think you can discover, and I think that's what the inspiration is. It's the discovery as much as the, as the source of the discovery, it is, it is the discovery. Yeah. I think in painting, when you're painting, I think you, it's, it's the alchemy, the, uh, the, the analysis of the alchemy 
in the alchemist experimenting, uh, finding the philosopher's stone is very, very true for a painter, I believe. I think also um, you can gain inspiration by going to seminars. I mean, art courses, uh, perhaps a three-day course. We have one coming up. <laughs> October <laughs> Skies. <laughs> October Skies uh, can be very inspirational to, to um, go to a three-day workshop where you begin to, you sort of get um, okay, jump-started. Um, yeah. Yeah. Jump yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and you get kicked out of autopilot. Yeah. In those courses. Right. Yep. Yeah. No, I, th I think it's, inspiration is not something, you know, the, the old the biblical phrase, I think it's from the Bible, uh, my cup runneth over. Mm -hmm. And I think that you always need your cup to be absolutely full, you know, when you're, when you're painting. Not too much, um, not too little. Yeah, and nature, I think, is, is, is magnetic in the sense of what it offers uh, people. Uh, to, to draw people out of doors to itself. Well, you see it. I mean, here we are in Gloucester, and there's hordes of people at the beach. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you said to somebody, would you want to go to the beach to just uh, uh, sit on a pile of sand, that would not be enough. Yes, it I, has I, to, I love it. Well, it has to include the water. <laughs> the water. The and water. the view and the ocean. And the ice cream. <laughs> and the ocean. I think all those things are what, you, what is there held in the inspiration. Um, and uh, unlike a, a painter who would went to the beach to paint, he would have to he would have to see it all. Mm. He couldn't just um, just sit there on the sand and go into the water and come back out, and that that won't be enough. So he, I think I think in once you're inspired, I think you take part in mm -hmm. the discovery. Yeah, Gertrude Fisk had a beautiful painting in the show that's still up in Portsmouth um, of. You know, people on the beach. It was a big painting. You wouldn't think you could get, you know, such a such interest in a in such a large canvas of just people on the beach with the biplane coming along uh, in the sky. But yeah, she did a, a beautiful job with that. You could feel you were a part of it. Uh, you could feel the heat. You could just, you know, smell the suntan oil and uh, if they had it in those days, I don't know. Uh, but it, I thought she did that, and I thought that was beautifully designed and. Yes, if you looked at, you know, put all the lines of dynamic symmetry and Fibonacci's and all this, I tried putting some of these lines, you know, superimposed over the painting so that I could just see if she'd had something in mind. And you could see that where she had placed things, it wasn't just random. I don't know whether she moved people because, well, I need this woman over there in this space. She'd obviously been inspired by the, the whole scene, but in... in uh, in completing the painting, she she'd obviously made sure that certain things were in certain spots on the canvas because, just as you said, there's a, a sweet spot there that that everything sort of works around. Um, mm -hmm. I thought she was a, a, a great painter. I, was, I can still remember that exhibition, and I'll have to get back and see it again before it finishes. I th uh, yeah, I, I think that we uh, gain uh, a, a part of the inspiration that the artist had. So when we look at a finished painting, I think that there is an element of inspiration that has yeah. been sort of, it's like a spoonful of inspiration <laughs> has been yeah, dished they're, they're up passing into... On, they're passing and, on that original inspiration, if you yeah. can see that in the painting. 
Yeah, and I think it comes forward from the painting, and, and maybe that's why we see masterful paintings and we get so inspired. Mm -hmm. And just like David was saying just a few minutes ago, that you don't walk away from a museum going, ho-hum, mm -hmm. what a day. You go, God, I wish I could paint like him, or wow, wasn't that stupendous, or you have some kind of strong emotion when you walk away from a very inspirational painting. Yeah. Can, can you teach inspiration? I mean, if people go out and they look, well, I don't know what to paint. You know, well, it's, it's beautiful expanse of nature, as you say. How, yeah. do you, how do you tell a student who's perhaps coming to painting for the first time out of doors and, and say, well, what inspires you? Um, do they really understand at that point that it's got to be something that really grabs them? Or do they just, well, I'll... I'll just do this, it's in front of me. Right. Well, right. I think there, yeah. is, there is that. I think I had a student who was just starting out for the first time, and I was explaining to him in a landscape that the horizon line can't be in the middle. It's either got to have more land or more sky, one or the other, just let it dominate. I said, so, so a new example would be, do you like the sky here in front of you? Would you paint more sky than land? He says, oh, the sky is really nice. I said, yeah, the sky is nice, got some nice clouds, slow moving. And he says, but I love the land too. There's a meandering river here, this is nice. I said, well, all you have to do is make up your mind, what do you like best, the sky or the land? So I went down and saw other students and on my way back, I stopped by the beginner and asked him, how'd you do? And his horizon line was right in the middle. So I realized you couldn't make up your mind, huh? <laughs> whether you like the sky or whether you like the land. So I, I think nature inspires you, but that inspiration of the beginning student, the inspiration is within them in relation to nature. You can certainly inspire them to think about it and inspire them to want to commune and give it a go, pick up the brushes and the paint. And I think that's just your own love for painting or art that comes through to them and they pick it up and they say, yeah, maybe there's something here, you know? And I think that, that I think that's what I mean is, is that although that we have the inspiration, whether in the museum or from nature, we still have to interpret that inspiration and turn it into something that is equal to the inspiration, or as you said, then shares it with others. The, the work of art that you create can share that inspiration uh, to many other people, and then they could maybe be inspired. I'd like to try that. He made it look easy to do. Mm. Yeah. I was also thinking about, um, and it was just starting the podcast, it came to me, and I jotted it down, that we need a class called Creative Strength Training. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff on strength training, and it's usually about the body. <laughs> and it's not about creativity, and it's not about oil painting. So we need some kind of strength training class, or maybe just a little, um, you know, little booster. <laughs> I could do with a little booster. <laughs> so I think a good name for this class would be, uh, is it French source? What is the fr uh, French word for source? Oh, that's good. I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's, uh, I think there's an Ang painting, a beautiful Ang painting of a woman pouring a pitcher of water, and I think she's called inspiration, or she's called uh, the source. Oh, yeah. You know, and so we could teach a class oh, called know. the source. Oh, isn't that you know? a tarot card? 
The sources of Soroka? Isn't, I well, I don't know if it's called that, but there is one where uh, I think she's pouring. Yes, she's, I, so I think it's it was, the star. But I love in the old day. But I love the idea of the source because inspiration is the source of everything that has you get up out of your chair and go do something. (laughs) (laughs) And sometimes that's the hardest thing. (laughs) But I know you two are itching to get off painting, so I'd just like to mention one last thing because it struck me that we had a lot of artists come to Cape Ann um, back at the you know, end of the uh, 19th century, early 20th century, this was the place to be for the artists, uh, particularly in the summer. Uh, and in 1914, John Sloan, who was um, from New York, he was the editor of a socialist magazine called The Masses, uh, he came up to Gloucester with his friends, Charles and Alice Winter, uh, Helen Davis, and her son Stuart Davis, and Wyatt Davis, and they stayed in the little red cottage over by Rocky Neck. And John Sloan said that he always felt that you had to wait for inspiration to strike before you even got your gear together and went out of the door. So he hadn't actually produced a lot of paintings by this time, but once he came <laughs> here to, uh, to Cape Ann, there was something about it, perhaps because there were so many other artists going out, as you said, Connie, that sometimes been amongst others who are, are going out painting and say in a workshop or something, it really inspires you to get moving. So he would go out every day and he would find something within a short walk of the the red cottage that he just had to get down and and, and paint Uh, and he did I think around almost 90 paintings that that first summer he was here which was more painting than he'd ever done in his entire career up to that time and so he obviously felt that you know waiting for inspiration to strike before you decide oh I'm inspired to go out and paint today you have to go out and you know, sometimes you have to go out and, and find inspiration as well as uh, as just setting up and it just strikes you, you know, out of the blue. But that kind of makes me think that that would be under creative strength training. I think so. I think I read somewhere that he'd been doing that for his, for his trip. He'd been doing a little strength training. <laughs> okay, Dave, we're just about finished. Any last thoughts from you? Well, inspiration is, uh, is, a, um, is a God-given thing, and I think uh, if God has given you some inspiration to create something, you, you should probably use it. You should hear the, heed the call. Heed the yeah. call. <laughs> How about you, Connie? Any I think thoughts? so, too. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Good to know that everybody's uh, on the ball with that. Well, I'm just going to finish up with this. Uh, I've been searching for inspiration, and here I found it uh, in a quote from... Uh, Sergei Forostovsky, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, The endless variations of light on dark, dark on light, light against illumination, white on white, black on black, blue on cold, blue on warm, and so on, are eternally inspiring. So I thought that that's just what an artist would be looking for if they go out, not just looking for a pictorial scene, but for something, an effect of light, as you say, an effect of temperature, um, so I hope you're all inspired to, uh, to go out and paint today. I know Connie and David are going out shortly. So I hope you have a great day and thank you for listening. And uh, join you, uh, or if you would like to join us next week, that would be great too. Thank you very much and goodbye.